All right. How much money do you have in the bank? Not enough. Not enough. <laughs> My answer is I don't know. I haven't shaken it lately. <laughs> I have no idea. Okay, let's uh, turn the, the question around just a little. How much money can you borrow? Too much. <laughs> Borrowing money is easy, right? We do it every time we swipe, 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 right? Get it now, pay later. You, you know that money is powerful. I'm not telling you something that you don't already know, right? Are we, are we good? Very good. Um, money is powerful. It can provide comfort, right? Nice food, nice clothes, nice house, nice car, nice entertainment, nice trips, nice vacation, nice little pleasantries, nice medical care, nice... Man, now I'm going to give you an, an acronym for nice. New, incredible, cool, and expensive. That's nice, right? Because our opinion about what nice is usually falls, well, it's new, it's incredible, it's cool, and it's expensive. But nice is a very subjective term, isn't it? Same into that. Yeah, because you're nice and my nice might not be the same, huh? Now, the world's way is don't deny yourself. Don't deny yourself. So if you don't have the money, what do you do? Oh, no, that's not the world's way. That's God's way. God's way says, yeah, save up for it. The world's way is just buy it. Buy it on credit. Buy it, on, buy it in debt. A lot of people are in debt, right? Except for there's one little hiccup. And, the, and the, here's the hiccup. If you have a hiccup, you're in trouble, right? So many people today are living hand to mouth. You know, when, when the pandemic was in full swing and the government was dumping money onto everybody, it was like, hey, yeah, everybody's making their payments. I don't know if you've seen the stats lately, but people aren't making their payments like they were. Credit card debt is exploding and interest rates are rising. And... Uh, I just want to say, how you use your money reflects your heart, okay? It's just kind of that simple. The Bible's simple so many times. How you use your money reflects your heart. In Hebrews, it says this. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So do you trust God is a heart issue, right? It's, it's a heart question, and maybe a deeper question is, is whom do you trust more? Do you trust the money in your wallet or the God in your heart? Right? Who do you, whom do you trust more? Because does God provide comfort like money can? Remember nice, nice stuff. New, incredible, cool, and exciting. You know, isn't it amazing how Google has become so rich and powerful because they just track what you want to buy, and then they send you advertisements there. I mean, isn't it amazing that nobody bothers you to upgrade your phone until your two-year mark is up, right? And then you're bombarded. Oh, you got to upgrade, got to upgrade. Come back, come back, right? It's amazing. But can God provide comfort like money can? Or do you use money to provide what God wants to provide for you? And if money borrowed or earned, does the providing, then we really don't trace it back to God, do we? 
when the cupboard is empty, we don't have to get on our knees to pray. We just go and put it on credit. And so we kind of short circuit God's way of relying upon him on a daily way. Um, in a very backhanded way, we can almost carve God out of uh, our life in, in a pragmatic say, sense because, hey, if, you're, if something happens, you just go and take care of it, right? You don't ask the church to help. You don't ask your friends to help. You don't ask your family to, hey, you got an extra tire line in your garage? Well, you know what? I do. By God's grace, I do. Or, you know, can I have this, borrow this, or whatever? But no, we just go out and buy it ourselves. But especially when we borrow money to live nicely, what we're really saying to God is this. I am not content to live this way and to do without, and I will accomplish it by borrowing it so I can do it. That's really what we're telling God, huh? Now, 50 years ago, Heather, you were right. If you didn't have the money, you didn't say, I can afford it. Because when you said, I can afford it, it meant you could go buy it with cash, right? Now today, when we say, I can afford it, it means I can afford the payments. Two different things, right? Two different things. Now, we dig down deeper on this money thing. We realize that money is powerful, right? Say, money is powerful. Money is powerful. And how you use and view money is a heart issue. So let's say that. How you use and view money is a heart issue. And it will reveal either your contentment, and here's the word for today, like Sesame Street, today's word is greed. Greed. Jesus is going gonna, is gonna to warn us about greed today, and, and we're going to be in Luke chapter 12. But before we get there, I want to show you a clip, not a clip, just a picture from Spider-Man, the good Spider-Man, okay? The original Spider-Man, all right? Heather, would you show that? Okay, who's this? Uncle, Uncle Ben, right? It's not the rice guy, but it's Uncle Ben. And this is Peter Parker. Peter Parker. And what is his uncle telling him? I'll tell you. Say it, Tammy. With great power comes great what? Responsibility. Now, Uncle Ben thought he was going to go see a girl. And he's like, you can procreate. That's powerful. That's what he said. I mean, the, the context from Uncle Ben is, wait a second, you, you've got a girl? Because he's dropping them off and he's going to go see a girl. At least that's what Uncle Ben says or thinks. And so he says, with great power comes great responsibility. In other words, watch it because you have the power to procreate and you better be responsible for it if that happens. Now, Peter Parker's thinking what? Ooh, I'm Spider-Man, right? And I've got this great power. Now I have this burden of great responsibility. You know what? When God gives you money, you have great power and great responsibility as well. And like I said, it's so powerful. It will flay your heart open and you'll say, ooh, either I'm really trusting the God in my heart or the money in my wallet. And so Jesus is, is going to warn us today. So you have your Bibles with you. You're in Luke chapter 12. And it's just a few little verses, powerful par uh, par uh, a parable. Luke chapter 12, beginning at verse 13, it says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? Interesting, the word you is plural. He's not talking just to the man. He may have his brother there with him. 
And by the way, in Jewish culture, the firstborn got a double inheritance. Woohoo! Unless you're the baby, then you only get one, like me. And so we can surmise maybe this is the younger brother. And he's not thinking it's fair. Can you say that word? Fair. Say it with attitude. Fair. It's not fair. So Jesus, you tell... Now, rabbis were sometimes called in to deal with family disputes, so this is not out of character, but Jesus knew right in, viewed right into the guy's heart and knew it's not about just equality and, and, and separating it because both of them were greedy. And no matter what Jesus said, one was going to lose and one was going to win. And Jesus addresses the heart issue because what we said is so true. Money will reveal your heart. And so let's go on. And he says to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared. Those will they, whose will they be? So it is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Wow, Jesus is telling us some pretty good things. In fact, there, there are four key phrases in, in our text that I want to just kind of zero in on. There, there's some good stuff in there. And the very first fill in the blank is all kinds of greed. Uh, that's one of those key phrases. And uh, I don't know if you've ever thought about there, there are varying degrees of greed or different kinds of greed, different types of greed. Now, greed is a thirst or a desire for getting more and more of something that we think we need to be satisfied. I got to have more of it. And so it's, it's something that's in our flesh that focuses on ourself. And in order to be happy, we have to have this. And we go after it. We've got to have more and more and more of it. What was, what was the famous banker, J.P. Morgan, that said, I'd be happy if I just had one more what? Dollar. It just doesn't satisfy, does it? It doesn't. In fact, here's the next slide. And your version may say greed. Uh, mine said covetousness. But it comes from this word that means to have more and want more. You're never satisfied. That's what greed is. You're never satisfied. Because in our parable, the man was already rich, right? He already had plenty. I know this is a childish example, but I know you'll work with me. Let's say I had a piece of cake here, okay? And I'm going to slice up this piece of cake so everybody in this uh, auditorium can have a piece of cake. But since I'm the one cutting the cake, and that is my favorite cake, I'm going to do what if I'm greedy? I'm going to cut myself a little bigger piece, right? That's, that's what we do. Well, everybody gets a piece, but I'm going to get the biggest piece. That's greed. Um, that have more, want more, and it, it means hogging. 
hogging the TV. I don't know if you've ever thought of this, the remote control, okay? Control is a way of greed. Did you realize that? Uh, stay in your own lane has become very popular, right? Have you heard that phrase? Now nah, it's become the buzzword. Stay in your lane. What does that mean? Don't hog my lane. You don't mess with me. You're in my turf and you're hogging my lane. And I don't care if it's time, a bathroom, friendship, limelight, schedule at work. I want more hours. I want less hours. I don't want those hours. And you are putting your agenda first, and it affects other people, doesn't it? That's what greed does. It affects other people. You know, you go into Baskin-Robbins and you see their, their, their portrait of a, a scoop of ice cream on the, on the poster, and it looks delicious, and you go, oh, that's what I want, and then the guy scoops up this little scoop, you know, and you're like, wait a second, that doesn't look like, that's not fair. Now, if everybody's getting that piece, size piece, I guess it is fair, you know. And so we just have to wait, wait, wait. I need, I need to understand what greed is. It's always about wanting more. Now, the, the word greed uh, is translated covetousness. And so, Heather, would you slow, show the next slide? Because it carries the idea of wanting what may belong to another. <gasps> Envy, jealousy comes back to this thought of covetousness. In fact, one of the Ten Commandments is that. You shall not cover your neighbor's wife, you know, animals, whatever. So not only does greed prompt us to slice our piece a little bit bigger than everybody else, to be a hog, uh, to take our more than fair share, not to stay in our own lane, but we're actually taking it away from somebody else, right? We're actually taking away from somebody else. Now, do you remember King Ahab? Not Captain Ahab, okay, King Ahab from the Bible. He had a neighbor and his name was Naboth and he had this incredible vineyard. He had an incredible garden and he looked upon it. Now, the king already has a garden. It's already nice, remember? But Naboth is better. So he tells Jezebel, what does Jezebel do? He gets Naboth killed. And then Ahab gets the, the vineyard. He gets the garden. Even though he already had one. Why? Greed. Greed. But there's, a, there's another kind of greed too. It's rooted in the person's idea of fair share. Or what they're entitled to. It's not that they want yours, but that they just deserve one too. Um, do you remember back in the day, I know, we have to go back, back about 10 years. I'm gonna pick on you, Bob, for just a second. You were probably one of the first people in America to get an iPhone, right? An Apple, an Apple, you know, a smartphone. Second generation, okay. How many of you had to wait to like the fourth or fifth generation, right? But what happened was, is, wow, Bob has an iPhone. I want an iPhone. You have a nice house. I want a nice house. You have a nice family. I want a nice family. And we start comparing and we become discontent because we see other people have things that we don't have. And that is a, a form or a type of greed. Do you remember when flat screen TVs came out? And there was like one person on your entire block that had a flat screen and you were mesmerized by it, right? It was about this big, right? It, was, it wasn't very big. 
Now you go to Sam's Club or Costco. I mean, it's huge. It's it's almost as big as the screen up there. They're just huge, right? It's a jumbotron in your house. But what happened is, oh, I want a flat screen. I want a flat screen. Oh, you got cable? You got streaming? I know, I'm dating myself with cable. You got, you got satellite? I want that too. And we get discontent with what we see around us. Now, I don't know about this poor man that goes to Jesus thinking he's going to get leverage Jesus to be on his side and say, tell my brother to, to give me my inheritance. But Jesus cuts right through it and sees that there's greed in his heart. Man, you make a lot of money. I want to make a lot of money. That's covetousness. That's greed. And people have confused making choices with responsibility with, I'm entitled to what you have, regardless of my decision-making with my finances. I'm entitled to it. And suddenly, your greed has gone to a deeper level than ever before. It's covetousness with entitlement. And if, I, if I have the ability to buy two pieces of cake and you only buy one piece of cake, but you want half of mine because you want it to be fair, that's not fair. That's greed. Desiring more than your fair share is more than an entitlement problem. It's a greediness problem. It's a covetous problem. Now, there are several kinds of greed, and we'll talk about them. Um, and there are maybe two different ways it can be served up. So, Heather, show the next slide. And that's called active greed. That's the next fill in the blank. Active greed is a desire to acquire more and more and more and more. When I was younger, I liked Mustangs, and I started to acquire Mustangs and 1960 vintage ones. And after I had bought my third one, my wife kind of thought I was crazy, and uh, we got rid of them. But yeah, I, I thought I had to own everything, you know? I wanted it. I, it was pretty. It's shiny. How many of you buy shiny, pretty things? Not, okay, one does. Two, okay, very, yeah. Man, why? It's, man, it's so beautiful. I just want it. I, I, I just gotta have it. I, it's gonna make me complete, <laughs> right? Until it wears out, until it looks ugly. But go the, to the next slide, Heather. It also includes the idea of taking an unfair advantage of a situation for your personal gain. You know, when people raise the prices of batteries because there's a hurricane coming, right? People raise the, 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 um, they go out and they hoard toilet paper. Oh, we don't do that, do we? Right? Do you remember It's a Wonderful Life when, when uh, the uncle loses the money and Potter gets it? And we're all like cringing inside. You know, we were Chris and I were teaching World Changers uh, a few weeks ago, and, and I, I gave this scenario to the girls, or to, to, the, to the kids. Um, and I said, if you were at the store and you got back 20 extra dollars by mistake because they gave you back the wrong change, what should you do with it? They're like, ah, we're going to keep it. I said, really? I said, do you know some in some stores, the cashier has to pay that out of her own pocket or his own pocket because they made the mistake? And you could see what was going on in their little heads. But at first, there was like, no, that's okay. That's greed. Taking something that doesn't belong to you, even though it fell into your lap, it's still greed. We can serve it up any ways, but wait, it still comes down to greed. Charging exorbitant interest, um, 
Again, cutting the biggest piece of the cake. How about passive greed? That's the next fill in the blank. Passive greed. A desire to avoid pain or doing your fair share. Now, being frugal is one thing. I'm all for being frugal. Amen? Amen, Tammy? Yeah. Amen. It's another thing to be fraudulent or dishonest. And it's the greedy person that always tries to turn it around so they don't have to pay, or at least it won't cost them anything. Do you remember the, the children's story about the little red hen? Who will help me plant the corn? Nobody will. None of the animals. The pig, the horse, nobody will. Who, who, who will help me water the, the plant? Nobody does. Who will help me plow or, or till? Who will help me harvest? You know the story. And the little red hen it keeps asking everybody. And then she grinds it because nobody will help her grind it. And then she bakes a bread, cake, cookie, whatever. And then she says, now who will help me? And they all said, oh, we will, we will, we will. That's a kind of greed. That's, that is definitely a kind of greed. It's a passive greed, though. So not only are there different kinds of greed, and not only are there different ways of greed, but you can, here's the next slide, you can be greedy with your time and your talent and your treasure. It's not just about money, right? It's about who you are. Again, money reveals what's in your heart. Do you trust the God in your heart or the money in your wallet? You don't have time to serve, to give, but you expect others to, right? You, you come to work, but you don't actually work, but you expect a paycheck, right? You use your talent and skill to make a living, but you never do anything in helping somebody in that skill set. You borrow a lawnmower, but you don't return it with gas, right? That's that passive greed that, that just uh, flows into your time and your talent and your treasure. So I don't think I have a slide for this, but greed is an attitude and a philosophy, a lust that leads to other sinful behaviors. You know, it, it, so greed is an attitude and a philosophy. Now the next slide that I do have is, uh, poor people are just as greedy as, as rich people. And I, and I qualify that. I, I didn't, I should have said some poor people, right? I've known a lot of poor people that are greedy. I know a lot of rich people that are, some of them are greedy, you know? I also know some rich people that are incredibly generous, incredibly generous. And middle class people are just as greedy as rich people. And again, some some. Because the sinful nature is in all men. <laughs> black, poor, uh, black, white, rich, poor, male, female. Greed is more prevalent in our society than we realize. Our culture is saturated with it. And that's why people are in debt in our culture. We just are so materialistic. I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know. But Jesus is warning us, and he's saying, guys, well, you gotta be careful, you gotta be aware of all the little ways that greed kinda flows into your life. Greed is, is so prevalent in our life. Ecclesiastes is the next slide that I have for you. It says this, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This is also vanity. He just never satisfied when it's greed, it's greed. 
So going back to the text, he tells us be on guard against all forms of covetousness. And then he goes on and he tells the parable. And we'll come back to the other important thing that he says. But here's the next fill in the blank. The ground produced the food, right? The ground. Yeah, he, he plowed it. He, he tilled it. He seeded it. He harvested it. But he didn't make the plant grow. It was God. It, it comes from God. Um, it had a great responsibility to use it, to be entrusted to be a good manager. But the bottom line is, is he didn't do it. A lot of times we th look at all of our stuff, right? And we're like, hey, look at what we did. Isn't this awesome? Why? Because we're starting to get our value from the things that we sit on and drive and sleep in and watch and all that. And God is like, no, 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 no. Your house, your car, your health, your IRA, don't cling to them so closely. They, they could come to, the, I mean, do you hear the news? We're maybe be on the cusp of a, re a recession, right? Oh, we're going to go into a recession. Well, I don't know what's going to happen, but could. And I think uh, New Mexico has the highest rate of unemployment in America. And so we're already starting at the top. So it's just like, well, don't cling so closely. How many of you have lost a little money in an IRA this week? And you're like, oh, I was looking forward to retirement. Or I was looking forward to this. Or I was like, it's like, don't hang on to it closely. God is the source of your strength. And God is the source of everything that you need. And so many things that you want. But when we start looking and managing all this other stuff, we're taking our eyes off the ball of Jesus and we're taking our eyes on the money in our wallet instead of looking at the God in our heart. And so don't cling to them. They're really not yours. They could go tomorrow. They really could. Yeah, and you'll notice that in our parable, he had the eye disease, right? I, 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 I. In fact, the next one is I will build bigger barns, right? That's his solution. A greedy person doesn't want to share what they have. They just want to collect more stuff. Is stuff really that important to you? Uh, I read a, a phrase this week about this rich young fool, or rich old fool, and it says his barns were fuller with himself than they were with grain. <laughs> Why? Because it's about pride. It's about pride. Let's build bigger houses so we can put more stuff in them, right? There's a point of diminishing return. How many beds can you sleep in, really? Right? At one time? If you were to wax, uh, Don, do you like to, to wax your bike? Okay. If you, if you wax your, your bike on Saturday, there's a point of diminishing return if you were to do it the next Saturday, right? And yet, that's what we do. We keep, we keep polishing and waxing the same thing because we're in love with it instead of getting... Because we're not getting a return on our investment for that. But if we were to wax our neighbor's bike or car or whatever, now, well, now you're sharing. You're sharing that time and talent and treasure, aren't you? But we build bigger houses... The amount of storage units in the United States would blow your mind. How many people are paying to store more stuff? And it's about stuff. Oh, the rich man could have been generous. Uh, 
I, I had a friend in Missouri that said, you know, if you eat lobster every day after the third or fourth or fifth day, it starts tasting like soap. You know? Eat lobster. Try it. Just try it before the recession. Eat lobster every day for 30 days, and at the end of 30 days, you're going to think, oh, this tastes like soap. And yet, oh, it's so, so good. I'm doing it. No. And then other phrase is this one. Here's the next fill in the blank. He stores up things for himself. He stores up things for himself. I'm going to do a little Bible quiz. What was the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah? Sexual perversion. Anything else? Greed. Greed? Ah, Micah's right on top of it. Yeah. Is stuff that important to you? This is what Ezekiel says about Sodom and Gomorrah. As I live, declares the Lord God, your sister Sodom and her daughters have not done as you and your daughters have done. Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride excess of food and prosperous ease, but did not aid the poor and needy. They were haughty and did an abomination before me, so I removed it when I saw it. It was because of their stuff and their ease and their prosperity that led them to, into their sexual perversion. But it was not sharing See, pride says, I deserve all this stuff, right? What's the hair care color that... Because that, I'm worth it. What is? Preference, Preference by L'Oreal, right? Because I'm what? Worth it, right? Or how about the old... Was it Michelob? You only go once, go around once in life or something like that? And it's just like, see, it's about focus. It's about greed. It's about su supplying yourself. But here's the conclusion. And this is where the gold, the gold is. This is where the nugget is. And here's the next fill in the blank. Our life does not consist of our possessions, but in our walk with God. Your life does not consist of your possessions, but it consists in your walk with God. You can lose everything tomorrow. And you know, you'll be okay. You're going to be okay. Why? If you've put your trust in your wallet, you're not going to be okay. But if you've put your trust in the Lord, you're going to be okay. You know, we look around the room and we kind of know each other, our lives and the things that are going on and the challenges that are before us and all the things that are, we have. And it's just like, wow, it seems like every day is a grind. Every day is a grind. If I just had a little bit more money, I could solve this problem. If I had just a little more money, I could solve this problem. If I had just a little bit more money, I could solve it. And suddenly you realize... That's not going to solve anything. What, what I need more in my life is not more in my account. It's more of Jesus in my heart, right? And let me say it again. Our life does not consist of our possessions, but in our walk with the Lord. And he has the ability, as Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He says, I know how to be rich and I know how to be poor. And you know what? I can do it all because my circumstances don't matter. What a beautiful, empowering concept, philosophy, biblical truth. You're going to be okay. 
no matter if a recession comes. Amen? You're going to be okay if the stock market continues to fall. You're going to be okay. If we have a great, great, great depression, you're going to be okay. Why? Because you got Jesus. If you got Jesus, you not only do you have him, you got the body of Christ. And that's when we lean on each other, which is so much better than something that's in a bank account that can be stolen from a hacker, by a hacker, right? I've conquered greed. I've conquered covetousness through Jesus. That's what he said. I can live in poverty and I'm okay. And I can live in plenty and I'm okay. Because my circumstances do not determine my walk with God. That's real discipleship. And I know this may not have been a pick-me-up flower bouquet, but I, I, I just love it. Your stuff isn't important, is it? It's going to wear ugly before it wears out, right? Or maybe it'll wear out before it wears ugly. It'll break and, and you won't be able to get a warranty on it and you'll be frustrated and then you just say, you know what, it's okay. Can you say that with me? It's okay. It's okay. Why? Because he promised, I will never leave you or forsake you. And if you've got Jesus, you've got everything. And, and that's what it's all about. Father, we thank you so much that you love us to teach us these things, to warn us about how insidious our selfish old man is or our old woman is. That it just kind of creeps up and, and it shocks us sometimes when we realize that we still have some, some work to do in surrendering parts of our heart to you. But we've been shown today that, man, being... Being rich towards you in our relationships uh, with our time, our talent, our treasure means everything. Because you're the only stable thing in our life, the only thing that is unshakable, the only thing that will not fall, and everything else will and can. And so thank you for reminding us of that today, that you love us so much, that you picked us up out of the gutter, brushed us off, and told us to follow you and to let go of the things that used to give us value. And we're okay driving broken down vehicles. We're okay having an old version of something. We're okay when the microwave doesn't quite work. We're okay when the toaster doesn't quite toast. We're okay when everybody else around us is getting new vehicles or new this or new that. We're okay because we have you, Jesus. We have you and we love you. And we thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.